Welcome to another episode of the Granite List Live, where we discuss all things related to human capital and employee benefits. I'm Lee Dill. And I'm Sally Pace. And we are joined today by Jackie Warren, who's the Director of Data and Reporting for Engagement Health Group, also known as EHG. They're a corporate wellness provider, but we're going to really double down. We're not going to talk about wellness in general. We're going to talk about one thing that is hitting the airwaves left and right, and that is GLP-1 drugs. They are top of mind and on the tips of the tongues of every HR leader in this country from both a cost and an employee, what I would call employee satisfaction perspective, which sounds weird, but Jackie, I know you have a lot to say about that. So let's dig in. Jackie, I know you have a tenured background in the clinical space, registered dietitian, but in your role at EHG, you're the director of data and reporting. So you really do come at it from a very different lens. Let's talk about that today. Yes. Well, actually, I am a clinician too. I am a registered. Yes, you are. Sorry. <laughs> I'm a registered and licensed dietitian. And so I was in private practice and worked with people addressing obesity on a one on one basis for many years as a dietitian. So I've seen those struggles firsthand. Losing weight is very difficult. Obesity is a very complex issue. So I've seen it from that perspective, but you're right. Currently, my role is in charge of data and reporting. I get to see more of the data, especially health claims. That's one of the things that I review as a part of my job. So we've been seeing healthcare costs related to these GLP-1 drugs increase significantly for our clients. Like you said, they are very popular and obesity affects 42% of Americans. So they're very popular. People want these drugs because they've tried many different ways of losing weight and haven't always been successful. And they've heard about how successful and effective Ozembic and Wagovi and Mongero all are. You can lose up to 15, 20% of your weight with these injections and They've become very popular because of the influence of social media and influencers. Everybody knows Oprah Winfrey is taking Ozempic now, so everybody else wants it, but they're also very expensive. The cost of these drugs is about $1,000 a month, and that's not really sustainable long-term to an employer that's offering this medication. It sometimes feels like we in the benefit space are saying, No, you can't have it. No, you can't take it at all. But is it a no, a hard no across the board, or are there specific groups of individuals who do benefit from these drugs? They're not suitable for the entire population. We just covered that, but is it working for some? Absolutely. They're very effective for diabetics. GLP-1 drugs have actually been around for about 15 years And they've evolved over that time, but they're very effective, not just for helping diabetics control their blood sugar, helping them lose weight, but they're also starting to see that these drugs help reduce inflammation, reduce cardiovascular events. So it's very promising. The issue is the cost of them. And also, we really don't know what the long-term side effects are either. So that's another area where we need to be cautious But no, it's not a no. I think what most employers are wanting to offer these drugs to certain individuals because they know how popular they are. They know it's an effective tool for certain individuals, but they have to protect their financial cost. 
because the medications are so expensive, they can't just allow every single person to take them. These drugs are being prescribed off-label. There are very specific guidelines for prescribing these drugs. You're supposed to have a BMI of 30 or greater. And there are doctors who are prescribing them for patients who don't meet those guidelines. So, for example, one thing an employer could do is have a prior authorization or step therapy, some utilization management tools in place, and then make some decisions so that perhaps people with a BMI of 35 or greater are those that really get the drug first or are a priority. One of the issues with these drugs too is that there are shortages because they are so popular. Some of the people that need the drugs the most, the diabetics who have a lot of weight to lose or have comorbid conditions like hypertension, those are the people who need the drugs the most. And so we have to prioritize who needs it the most and what can a company afford? They have to put some measures in place to protect their financial interests. So I know they want to offer this benefit, but they have to have measures in place that protect the health plan or otherwise we're all paying more for our health insurance next year. Right. I love that you have the clinical and the nutrition background to support the data of what you're seeing Mm -hmm. too. And you see some different vendors out there saying, hey, we'll provide these drugs, but you have to go through some health therapy talking about like how to get nutrition and exercising to support the use of the drugs. Because when you have a diabetic that gets so far down the road and they get in that stage four diabetic, they are so expensive to the health plan. So having those preemptive costs on the front end Mm -hmm. might be worthwhile if the diabetic doesn't get to that stage four. Is it worth it? And what are you seeing that makes these drugs worth it alongside some sort of therapy? Absolutely. Therapy is required. It's a part of the clinical research studies for these drugs. So when you see these success rates of 15% weight loss, that was not just the person taking this therapy or this drug. That was in conjunction with an intensive lifestyle modification program. Mm -hmm. They met with a registered dietitian or other healthcare practitioner to make sure that they knew how to eat or how to exercise, all of these medications for chronic conditions are used in conjunction with lifestyle intervention. It's the standard of care. You see that, for example, with bariatric surgery too, right? Mm -hmm. When someone has bariatric surgery, before they have it, they have to meet with healthcare practitioners like a dietitian, a therapist. They have to follow the diet for a certain amount of time to prove that they can once they have that surgery. So for me, the drug really shouldn't be any different. The drug is actually more expensive than bariatric surgery if you have to take it for more than two or three years. It's such an important piece, that intensive lifestyle modification. And that's where we can really help at Engagement Health Group because that's what we specialize in. Health coaching, intervention, behavioral health coaching, so that people can work with a professional that can help them set goals, help them choose the right foods, develop exercise plans that are personalized for them, so that individualized, personalized care with health coaching or intervention programs is really critical for people that participated in the original study, but also people that want to have that same level of success moving forward. So what we see employers doing that use these drugs is require that they have to participate 
in these programs too. They have to meet one-on-one with a health coach or registered dietitian Mm -hmm. so that they're really getting the help that they need to make those lifestyle changes. You know, this is a tool. This is not a cure for obesity. This is a tool to help people make those lifestyle changes that they need to make so that hopefully they can get off these drugs eventually and then sustain that weight loss long-term. How long do you see to being on the drug as beneficial? Like there's an up curve and then it's got to stabilize at some point. So what does that timeline look like? So right now they're saying that this is potentially a long-term drug that someone would have to stay on for the rest of their life. I mean, that is especially true maybe for a diabetic. Honestly, they really don't know what the long-term effects are or how long someone may need to stay on the drug. I will tell you that one of the issues with the drug and one of the reasons why employers are putting some controls in place is that 68% of all people who start taking this drug stop taking it within a year because it's got some side effects that are very undesirable. It makes you nauseous. You can have other GI distress. If you overeat, it could really be an uncomfortable situation. So a lot of people aren't able to deal with those side effects and they stop taking the medication after less than a year. Well, if they've taken it for nine months, there's $9,000 out the door when they didn't necessarily get the results that they were looking for. So in terms of how long somebody needs to stay on that drug, that's really individualized depending on how much weight they have to lose their age. There are so many different factors that affect weight loss, but it is being looked at right now as being a long-term drug, not something that people take short-term and then get off of. You just brought up an excellent point about the nine months in, 9,000 down the tube for both the employer and the employee. But yet we all agree that there are employees who are plan members who are prescribed these medications as part of their weight loss treatment. So what can employers do to support those members? For those that have been prescribed, definitely having some type of weight loss support, whether that's a group coaching program, which we do offer group weight loss programs as well. And those can be effective. We're all familiar with kind of with the Weight Watchers model, where they share information, learn new things and support each other. I mean, definitely offering some type of resource And then what we're seeing some employers do is also have to show some type of results to continue to be on the drug. You know, different employers may define that differently, but perhaps they want to see a 10-pound weight loss after six months or some kind of percentage of weight loss or Mm -hmm. even improvement with some of their blood work. So there are different things that employers can do to help. I think the main thing is just... Definitely making sure your employees have the resources they need for that weight loss support, especially with a one-on-one health coach or registered dietitian. For our audience, describe the difference in what that journey looks like and the effectiveness of it versus, say, no coaching at all or app-based coaching, coaching, I'll use those air quotes. Talk about the difference in outcomes. I can't actually talk about this because I know we have some members that are taking the GLP-1 drugs, so I've seen some of their success, but I also know someone who takes the GLP-1 drugs, a personal friend. 
someone who's taken this drug and didn't go through nutritional counseling or meet with a health coach. So they started taking the drug. They had some negative side effects. And within eight months, they stopped taking it and they lost maybe five pounds. They definitely saw that they had a reduced appetite. So the drug, it slows your stomach emptying. You don't have cravings as much as you would normally would. And so you eat less, but it doesn't mean people are making wise choices. That's definitely what I saw with my friend. So she would just skip meals or she wouldn't eat. And when she would eat, she would make bad choices. And so she did lose a little bit of weight, but like I said, not the kind of success that we see with someone who's got a dietitian that's guiding them along the way. So someone that is part of a structured, comprehensive program with a health coach or registered dietitian would meet with them to kind of review, like, how are you currently eating? How can we start making some small changes to help you eat healthier, not just less, not just less volume or less calories, but really eating healthier, making sure they're meeting all of their nutrient needs, figuring out an exact personalized exercise program for them. Even as a dietitian, I spend a lot of time working with people like, how can we include more activity throughout your day? Because it's such an important piece of weight loss. Now, diet is 75, 80% of weight loss, but exercise is very important too. So someone that's meeting, that's got a comprehensive plan, meeting with the healthcare professional is just more likely to be successful, have small successes learn how to do things that are sustainable to help that weight loss long-term. All right. Well, the cost of these drugs is high. We've talked about that. What are some potential savings that a company can see that are hard dollars, reduced absenteeism or increased productivity? What else are you seeing that you? it's hard to put a dollar sign on that's a value add for these drugs? Patient satisfaction or or employee satisfaction, right? I mean, people are happy if they can get a drug that helps them lose weight. I mean, people really want to lose weight. A lot of it's for vanity reasons, right? We all want to look good. But people know, too, that it's their health as well, that being at a healthier weight, they'll feel better. So I think employers who offer these drugs have healthier, happier employees. It's definitely possible they have more productive employees. Even weight loss of 5% can lead to improvements with blood pressure, cholesterol, blood sugar. So some of these improvements, they may not see short-term cost savings with their health plan, but definitely they may see in productivity and healthier, happier employees. So it is such a a tumultuous path that we're on with this because it is, like you said, there is such a demand for it, both in the, the category of employees that need it and those who don't. Can you share some statistics around just that financial component of what it does to a health plan? So just recently, the state of North Carolina reviewed their claims data to see how much they were spending on the GLP-1 drugs, and they made a decision that they were not going to cover them moving forward because they had spent enough money in the last year that they could have given all of their employees a 0.5% pay raise. 
So they had to make some tough decisions about, do we continue to cover these drugs and not be able to provide other benefits to our employees? So it's a, a tough choice that employers have to make. Now, they don't necessarily have to make the choice to not offer them at all, but they got to prioritize and they have to put some limits on who qualifies for it if they're offering that as part of their health plan. And just because it's not sustainable financially to offer these drugs unlimited. Do you have any statistics on what percentage of an employer group is on these drugs? I mean, it's changing month to month. I am looking at claims and I I know I saw with one employer, the use of Wagovi went up almost 400% in a short time period. Just because the Wagovi and Majoro just got approved in the last six months or something by the FDA. So they haven't been around quite as long. And so, you know, everybody's hearing about them. Mm -hmm. So I don't know an exact number, but I do know it's increasing month over month. So interesting. So Jackie, obviously you all are focused on the employer space, employer benefits space. So can you give any pointers for employers? What would be a step one if they're really wrestling with to offer or not to offer? these GLP-1 drugs, what would a step in the right direction be for decision-making? Well, as director of data, I'm going to say, look at your data, look at your claims information, just to kind of judge, are people already using this? It's also great if you have screening data or any kind of biometric data, so you could kind of assess like what percentage of our population is obese, it would potentially qualify for this medication. And then kind of create a plan of of the best way to cover it and some strategies for dealing with it, like we talked about, maybe the prior authorization. So they can't try this drug until they've tried something else or step therapy. We want to know that they've already maybe tried something else or tried a drug or met with a dietitian, tried one-on-one health coaching first before they use that drug. And so those are some good first steps, I think. And then putting a strategy in place. Maybe people with a BMI of 35 or greater are the ones that are given priority initially rather than just 30 or greater. Even though that is the accepted standard, Employers can kind of decide who gets that drug first. And then partnering with an organization like EHG to oversee that strategy and bring it to fruition. Absolutely. How could I not have said that? Yes, that's critical. (laughs) They need to partner like uh, engagement health group so that they could offer weight loss programs, health coaching, behavioral lifestyle coaching. So all of those options, and honestly, having multiple options available would be a good thing too, because some people do better in a group class. Some people want one-on-one. So as many resources as they can have to kind of help support that weight loss and lifestyle behavior change, which also means like not having donuts and pizza in the office on Friday too, right? (laughs) That's a whole nother, that's a whole, that's another topic for another day. <laughs> healthy, healthy options that are not drug related. 
But Jackie, thank you so much. Thank you for the work that you do. Thank you for being here on behalf of EHG and really the assistance that you all provide specifically in the employer-sponsored health plan space, helping employers make these wise, tough decisions as they navigate through this seemingly unending journey that is known as GLP-1 drugs. <laughs> so thanks for being on the show today. We're thrilled to have you on the Granite List to be able to showcase what EHG does, and we were delighted to have you on today's show. So thanks for joining us, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Granite List Live. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Granite List Live. Access our entire library by visiting your favorite podcast venue or subscribe on our site, thegranitelist.live.